Warning, you're about to hear unfiltered insights about regenerative agriculture and our sovereign right to natural food. This is not just a podcast, but a patriotic movement against the tide of food ignorance and corporate food giants shaping our modern food system. It's time to feed the people. Oh, it's so good. It's just so good. We have so much. The name is awesome, too. Skunk Holler. Skunk Holler. (laughs) Intro to the Feed the People podcast. And we got a special one today. Not only are we joined by a special guest, we got Brooke Ince back in the house. Let's go. You hit me with some theme music. What you want? (laughs) What you want? Uh, I can do. Wait a second. I think. I, I like this is like the alarm that will play when uh, Brooke shows up. Let's see here. You ready? It's, it's, a, it's the Brooke alarm. She made it. <laughs> she made it. She's here. Uh, no, just <laughs> and we welcome also back, Brooke. Welcome, Brooke. Thank you. How was Thailand? Thailand. Hot. An experience. Hot. Oh yeah, it was rainy. It was. The rain, the rainstorms were cool. Yeah. I would just open the curtains in my, we were, I stayed in a, like a suite hotel, mm-hmm. like little kitchen, kitchenette, things like that. Had a washer. Then I would open the blinds and it was like electric storms. I guess oh, is what cool. they call it. That's it was cool. wild. Dang. I was just like, <laughs> <laughs> just a million videos on my phone that I'll probably never watch again. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just, I got to video it. I got to video it. And then yeah, I'd turn my video off and then a, epic like lightning bolt would go and i'm like shit i gotta start over i gotta try again there's gonna be another good one yeah. and I have my camera at my phone and i'm like waiting i finally just set it in the windowsill that's awesome well i posted a few, I posted a few of them how else are like, you supposed to I have prove like 30. how are you supposed to prove that it existed that you exist if you don't get a good video of it yeah it's true, <laughs> it's true. Awesome. you know people are gonna be like what you know? Tell me about Thailand. You need videos or photos? I'm like, well, you know, I've got a few <laughs> of the lightning storms. <laughs> and Everything next, you know, it was, on Instagram. Go it watch was good. It. it was uh, during the rainy rainy season, and think like 90 degrees Fahrenheit. Feels like 100 and something, and like 70 mm. percent or more humidity. I mean, I was wet. Mm. Just Damn. sweating the whole time. Yep. Oh, man. <laughs> how'd, how'd your hair do, Brooke? Easy. Terribly. <laughs> oh, terribly. Uh, so, uh, uh, Brooks, is this episode six including the pilot? It is not including the pilot. The pilot okay. counts as, as uh, zero, zero. Oh, ground this is, zero? This is good. That so, was ground zero. That's where it all started. So if you guys are just joining us and didn't listen to the pilot, we are excited to have Brooke back. She is my co-host, and she was in Thailand filming a movie, which is awesome, and especially see the advancement of your roles and so forth. And I know you've got some uh, 
what's the word, um, imposter syndrome about how badass you are. But I saw the clip you sent me, and I'm like, listen, that is only happening in your head because that was cool as shit. So. Yeah, we're looking forward to seeing Brooke throw some flying arm bars on screen here yeah. in 2024. And we also have a guest. Let's welcome yes. Jimmy Clo to the show. Oh, guys. Thank you for having me. Yeah. Let me introduce you. So. We're glad to have Jim on the on the uh, podcast with us today. So let me give you guys some context uh, of who Jim is. So uh, a few years ago, 2020, I bought 40 acres of ground in a place called the Escalante Desert in Utah for the purpose of regenerating that ground to show that this 3,000 square uh, mile or acre, acre, not mile, that would Kilometer. be too big. Kilometers? Kilometers, something like that. It's a big, de- it's a big ass desert. Anyway, <laughs> it is a desert, but it should not be with the right context. Right. It can be a functioning ecological grassland, but it's lacking the appropriate management. And so I bought 40 acres there for the purpose of holistic management or regenerative agriculture to show what is possible. Um, and so I put it out on Facebook looking for people in the area that would be interested that had land that would like to participate in this initiative. And Jim reached out on Facebook and said he was out there as well. Now, take into consideration the vastness of the area we're talking about, and it turns out his parcel is touching mine. Well, how we met was by chance, man. Like yeah. we are driving. Keep in mind to the listeners, this is in the middle of nowhere. And me and AJ just happen to be driving by each other. It is the middle trucks. of nowhere. Yeah. Yeah. We haven't drive by each other with our trucks. And we're like, Hey, what's up? You're a guy from Facebook. Yeah. <laughs> that's dude. how we met, man. Yeah. That's exactly right. And, and Brooke, her family has a ranch like 30 minutes South, like not far. And yeah. so just kind of how this is all coming together is really neat. And so that's how Jim and I met and what we're up to. And so since then, Jim has gone forward and created a nonprofit called the Escalante Land Trust, right? So, Correct. yeah. And um, we're, yeah, we're go essentially ahead. Yeah. constructing a hub and a demonstration site for regenerative agriculture. It's also, too, going to be for off grid solutions like uh, rainwater harvesting, uh, solar panels, all that fun stuff. So, there's a lot awesome. to talk about and all that. <laughs> yeah, for sure. And, in addition to that, you've been working on some drone piloting technology that you're looking into for land surveying. Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah. So besides the on-ground ecological monitoring, we are you can use aerial uh, monitoring as well. And I run a company, uh, Regen Drones, which we do aerial surveys, uh, pretty much any type of aerial data solutions. So mapping, um, mapping for agriculture, mapping for uh, construction pretty much any industry so far. So there's, it's, that's a loaded subject too as well. Uh, but we're, I'm pretty much using my, our drone tech to keep track of our progress out there in uh, the Escalante desert. So, so um, let me ask you a little bit more about that because yeah. uh, Brooke and I were talking the other day, they're wanting to get some mapping done on your ranch, right, Brooke? Yeah. Mm-hmm. What, what is specifically, what are you guys talking about? And cause I'm curious if what Jim is doing <clears throat> is something that is in line with that. Yeah, being able to just have that bird's eye view for lining up some new areas for fence lines and for separation, bring where would be a good place to put in some more ponds. Um, You know, looking at all the elevation to see and take into account our water that we get, the water that we don't get, and the best way to like maybe put a pond here because you will get more runoff there, type things like that. And then obviously, you know, I have, (laughs) if it were possible, to do you know, heat mapping and 
also look for great places for digging a new well or, uh, and I don't even know if that's something that they it goes totally you know, that deep to be able to help, but yeah. man, would that, <laughs> that would help a lot of people just that. No, I agree. So the, with the mapping, you definitely could tell the elevation. You can see where drainage spots are. There's a vegetation filter. You can see how, where there's vegetation growing versus where there's not. So there's a lot we can get into with that. Um, but that's pretty much what I'm doing right now, especially for agriculture. I'm trying to get in more of the solar side. The problem with these drones cost more than our vehicles. So they're, it's very high cost to get into. Some mm-hmm. of the drones are like $30,000 drones. So it's, wow. yeah. But the mapping software is great. I use drone deploy. Um, but like I said, for our project, AJ out in Escalante, it's going to be a good way to track uh, our progress. And then we can also turn that into, we could show that to the government as well. So that's like, awesome. that's, we talked to a lot of people out there and you know, our issues with the government out there, the DNR and BLM and all that. But I think having more data to show them is definitely going to be uh, beneficial for us, beneficial mutually. So well, we'll way harder for them to way hard, harder for them to Correct. turn you away when you're like, eh, not yeah, so fast. Exactly. Like, Here's the data. You wanted numbers. It took a while, but here they are. Well, it's like AJ and I brought what the DNR out there. And they, mm-hmm. didn't, they didn't care. They just don't care. Yeah. They it was the, NR, it was the NRCS. On. Yeah, the NRCS. And I'm like, hey, come do some soil samples. Let me know what you think. Here's what we're thinking. And he's like, restore yeah. it back to when. Like that's, he, this. I mean, he's college trained, right? So his mind is so linear about point A to point B or anything in between doesn't matter that he's like, so how far back are you wanting to restore this? And I'm like, what are you talking about? What? Like you're like all the way back yeah they don't realize all the buffalo and bison that ran through there and how the prayer grass was like up to their waist like Mm. it's totally changed since humans arrived so and people don't realize that that's that's what we're trying to bring back yeah yeah well one of the major conversations i want to get into here is the water because in the west water is one of the biggest conversations happening and to the point where it's possible we see water wars sometime in the next you know decade now with that said we had a great moisture of you know year last year we got a ton of snow a ton of snowpack the reservoirs are i just saw an article yesterday that in utah the reservoirs are like 20 percent above the normal capacity this time of year. And I'm looking out the window right now up here in Salt Lake and there's snow, it's snowing right now. So there's already snow on the mountains where in previous years, you know, November, December, and there's barely a skiff on the mountains. So that's a good thing. But what we're talking about is long-term building long-term resilience in an area that typically is a desert. So you're, you've been going through the process of homesteading the property so that you can manage it. Right. And part of that, you've got to have power and water. This is a whole issue, man. I'm glad we're talking about this because keep in mind for the listeners, I'm born and raised out of Philadelphia. So I'm from the East Coast where I never had to worry about that whatsoever. When I bought property out here, it was for investment and I never knew about water rights. I didn't look into it. I swear to God, I like, I'm like, how Surprise! are you selling me land? Yeah. I was like, how are you selling me land? And I can't do anything on it without a water right. Like I can't build a garage without a water right. It doesn't make any sense to me. So that's the first issue, let alone the water issues in general. So like I said, I, I am from Philly. I like when I come out to Utah desert to me, it doesn't seem like a desert. Um, it just seems like 
vast open range uh, to other people. Like to me, a desert's like something you see in Saudi Arabia where there's like straight sand everywhere. Yeah, the Sahara. Yeah. <laughs> and the reason I'm saying this is because it's important for like listeners, first timers out here, especially or first timers doing a ranch. Like I, three years ago, I had no clue about agriculture. And thanks to you and uh, Sivri Institute and a bunch of other uh, people and organizations, I know a lot now and I can, I educate myself and now I can actually go forward with this project and know, have a, like a straight goal in mind. But the water issue was huge for me. So right now I was trying to, aside from trying to find a water, right? I was like, okay, my wife and I are heading this project. We want to try to live off rain harvests out there. And Per parcel, they only allow you 2,500 gallons to collect per parcel in Utah, which is absolutely ridiculous because they don't specify. So you can have 20 acre parcel and only be able to collect 2,500 gallons. Whereas you had a one acre, you still collect 2,500 gallons. It doesn't make any sense. No, It's it's ridiculous. So that law definitely needs to change, especially in order for uh, myself and my wife to live out there full time. Um, Because I don't want to get a well. I don't want to pull from aquifers. It's not part of the regenerative context. It it goes against what we're trying to do. Obviously, you know, with improving the soils, we get more water and improve the water cycle. We are not trying to pull from the aquifers out there. And I've been trying to tell the government that. But the problem is they don't don't know any of this. They don't know what's going on with the soils. They don't know what's going on. even regeneratively, they don't have no clue about regenerative agriculture. So I'll, I'll this, teach them. Yeah. And <laughs> this goes in the same one. You guys were talking about on the last episode in terms of um, the water right issue, the priority dates. So I was looking at buying a water right and it had a priority date. And I'm like, what the hell does that mean? So I call the Salt Lake District Water Division. The lady tells me, she's like, well, priority date means by 2029. If the water level has not risen, they will ban um, pumping at that point. Yeah, you now, told me that, was, and I said, "Well, yeah. you can't, you can't take somebody's personally well, owned water rights." And what was your so, reply? This is how. Well, how this played out is she had to call me back to see, like, "Hey, I want to check on this. I'll call you back." In the meantime, I called the Cedar Division, and I told them what she told me, and they're like, "You're not supposed to know that." And I'm like, what do you mean? And she's like, well, we're not telling people that yet because it's in the future and whatnot. And I'm like, well, how, how can you take a water right away? They're like, well, we're not taking the water rights away. We're just banning the pumping. I'm like, how, how <laughs> you, how do you manage that? <laughs> Especially like, hey, you can, you can keep your right. You just can't bring it above ground. Yes. Yeah. It doesn't, it didn't make any sense. So our project is more important now than ever on top, like before, even now, now it's more important, I think, because mm-hmm. they might start pulling, this might start banning pumping in the future, like 2029, 2030, if the groundwater uh, levels haven't risen yet. So it's actually really concerning. Especially well, for and people who have agriculture out there, uh, farms, ranchers, you know what I mean? Yeah. Well, so some of, some of the things that are interesting is the timing, the date, 2029, 2030, the 30 by 30, right? And when they say, and you and I both know, and, and, you know, Brooke, you know this as well, that if you're not increasing the soil water penetration, you aren't going to increase your aquifer levels. So they're essentially just waiting out the clock. And so unless we can get them to change the law. So my proposal is this. I'm curious what your guys' thoughts are. My proposal is that now, listen, I get if there's a, restriction on the volume of, of rainwater you can harvest. If you live 
next to a tributary. In other words, yes. where it rains, that contributes to like the Colorado, oh, right. which then goes down to everybody else. I understand if you would have a limitation there. That makes sense. But in the Escalante Desert, where we all have property, it goes nowhere. Where it goes is evaporation, which brings sodium to the top, which makes, gra- you know, native grasses won't grow now because you have so such a high level of uh, saline at the top of the soil that, so my proposal is this, if you're in an area of Utah, or if this is a state law in other states, it should be. Colorado only. Yeah. Colorado's so worse. Really? Yeah. yeah. So my proposal is this, in Areas like ours where it just evaporates and causes more soil degradation and, and soil uh, compaction, you should have a, the Lashes state capture as much as you would like, but the one rule is it's got to be used on that parcel. Great. Because now we can capture as much as we need through rainwater catchments, which is what ranchers have done for decades in desert landscapes. And typically you'll see them all kinds of stuff. You'll see like a like a carport roof that's slightly sloped on an angle. So, you know, that rain lands there, flows into a pipe, goes into a holding tank. Or I've even seen them even more rudimentary. And and actually when I was a little kid, my dad used to go out to the Arizona Strip and seal, reseal these other rudimentary uh, uh, water catchments. And what they were is you would basically take a a skid steer or a, a dozer, push the ground so you build this like shallow pond and then roll out tar paper that you would see on the roof of a house, you know, for water barrier. And then they would seal it with tar and that was ground level and it was on a grade. And that was also how they would capture water. So, you know, if you can capture rainwater and then harvest that water for agricultural purposes and even the ability to live, but it gets put right back into the soil there. That to me seems like the right move. What do you guys think? 100%, man. And this goes back to the soil issues, right? I think we have to, we have to solve these issues simultaneously, the soil and the the rain harvest issues, because I can't do anything out there without water, obviously with, for livestock, I have to have that water storage. And you know, I have 10,000 storage gallons of water out there. Mm -hmm. Um, My wife and I, when we move our uh, manufactured home onto the land, we're creating a 3000 square foot roof to be able to collect enough rain for one monsoon to fill those tanks. And that will supply us plus some uh, livestock as well. But in order to bring back the soils, we need to put livestock on the soils. And this is very important because I think people don't realize the difference between degraded land and actually land with good soil. Now, like you, like you know, before uh, with uh, savory, I went out, I've been doing savory courses. I've been on a savory regenerative uh, hub ranch um in Colorado and you can you can see the difference with with your own eyes so imagine our land when we walk around it's like walking on a hard surface I was out in a ranch out in Colorado it was actually right outside of Boulder this this ground was like chocolate cake I never seen it it was so and this is the same semi-arid environment as as us here in Utah and they have this ground like chocolate cake and you dig it out it looks like chocolate cake it is it's very impressive what they're doing. And I, and that's what we're trying to mirror here in Utah. So, mm. and like I said, I can't do anything. Well, I can do stuff, but we're going to have to, unfortunately not break laws, but kind of find some loopholes to, to uh, get this done. So like I have to divide my parcel up into four parcels in order to keep that 10,000 storage gallons out there to be 
and regulation. It's the I don't American think way. we'll have a problem. Yeah, I don't think we'll have a problem because, like, even with the building <laughs> codes out there, they don't even aren't doing anything about it anyway because of the sheriffs think it's unconstitutional. Now, I never because I it is. I told you that. Yeah, exactly I, I just want to ask why because I don't know. Yeah. Why? I mean, why? Why are there laws in collecting your own water? Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like why? Yeah. Government. That's too much question. government. Too much government. Well, they just, you know, it's just, a, it's just a, a way to make people pay money. Just yeah. pay more money. Like you can't get your own. Yeah. It seems like so a good time to remind people you gotta buy what our water bottles. Is. You got to pay for your water. Yeah. Do y'all, uh, Jimmy and Brooke, we've talked about it on the show, but this is a good time to bring it back. Do y'all happen to know the original meaning of the word government? I feel I like I've re- I feel like I've was read it like it. mind reading or something. So gubernare is the original gubernare and mens two words put together. Gubernare means to govern or to control, and mens is mind. Yeah, <laughs> it literally cool. means mind control. <laughs> States right now are slowly being regulated into dependency on the government. That's what's happening, especially mm-hmm. in these in a lot of. Unfortunately, I hate to be political. A lot of Democratic states. That's what's happening right now. And wait, I, wait, I'm wait, pretty, wait, wait, I'm a, wait, 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 wait. I'm a pretty moderate person. Utah's not a Democratic state. No, no, I know, but where I come from, I say that tongue in cheek because yeah. mm-hmm. no, I know. There's a lot of decisions being made at the state level that seem and pretty I'm, Democratic when it's not supposed to be who's in office. Mm-hmm. And I'm not, I'm not being biased here. It's happening on both sides. It really is. It's just I think it's worse than those because there's more people and more corruption going on versus these states. But it's definitely we're being heavily regulated. It's it's too much. Mm -hmm. And I can understand on the water rights side um, in terms of not having not collecting water that's going to go into a waterway. But the government telling me what I can collect out of the sky on my own property is absolutely ridiculous. So, yeah. That's that. I'm yeah. heated about this issue because it, it's really, it's held me up so much. Like I, it's me and my wife have been so livid about it. Like it, the whole thing's just been r- ridiculous. So yeah. Cause you're actively, <laughs> no, 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 dude, that's, this is what we wanted to talk about. We need, people need yeah. to hear what's going on because you're not the I only one not, dealing with it. Yeah. I should not be sold land where I can't do anything with it except for just run like livestock on it where that's even regulated. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like yeah. this is ridiculous. <laughs> Why are you selling me parcel of land where where I can't build on it, plus I, I can only put a certain amount of livestock on it. And my our land, you know this, bro, our land borders BLM and state trust land. There's hundreds of acres out there that we can easily lease, but they're yeah. going to be very strict on the uh, how many livestock we can put on it. Right. So right. that's why we're building this hub and this demonstration site so we can show them, hey, this is what we're doing. This is working. We should do this for all the public land as well. So... Yeah. Well, we can roast marshmallows, pee on a bush, and shoot guns. Yeah. We can't do that out there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Brooke, um, have you guys had conversations on your ranch in the same area about water? What's that like for you guys? Because you're running cattle out there. You already have an active ranch. What's the yeah. water issues you guys are dealing with? Any, I mean, you probably have a well, you have well and water rights and so forth. But Yeah, we have, we have a couple, but we my dad's been looking for – more rights for, I mean he's constantly looking for, I mean he has someone who's constantly looking for water rights for him yeah because of us wanting to be able to bring more water to more parts of our property so we can have some more rotation so we can move our cows more throughout them you know so they mm-hmm. can do their job for the 
for the soil and for everything else we're trying to do. But we have cows, like you have to have, if you don't have water in more places, they just kind of hang out around the water. You know, they mm. stay fairly close to there. So that's like part of the mapping is um, helping just figuring out where do we want to go next? Like with what we have, okay, how could, is there a better way to divvy up what we already have? Or where can we add in some more areas? Where can we bring a pond? Where can we bring more water? But you, water rights are very, very difficult and you can only have, you know, so much for so many acres. And um, do you do it's hard to be able to- we do not. No. Okay. But I mean, it's not that we wouldn't. A lot of the more regenerative stuff, it's driven by me. Right. <laughs> so no. my dad's very, very willing what's to. The, what's the acres amount out there that you have? Uh, 1,100 acres. 1,100. Okay. Yep. We don't run cows on all that. We've got like um, probably closer to maybe in total from front to back of where the house is at about 700 acres. Okay. That are, that's all, you know, where cows hang out, but is it, is this also my dad's a better person to know that's an enterprise yet. Okay. Yeah. You're not too far from us then. Yeah. No. See this, this hub too is not just specifically for the Escalante desert. It's for the entire region. Uh, we obviously the focus is on the Escalante desert. So tell it. Yeah. Tell us show, more about that. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's just show it's it's a hub to show other ranchers in the area. Hey, this is working. This is what we're doing education wise. Now, like I said, we're partnering with the Savory Institute because they have a fantastic program for that. I sat there with in Colorado with a ton of other ranchers, and I'm just doing 60 acres. And these guys have like thousands, tens of thousands of acres they're working with, and they they're trying to figure out their holistic management plan. And I'm just sitting there like, whoa, this is very intense. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like. Our project on a small scale is like so simple compared to like these people with all these acres. And luckily they, they were to help me and I was able to like kind of see what they're doing just to get a, like a grasp of this issue and like what, how they're planning things out. But it's definitely going to be more of a challenge for people with more acres like you, Brooke. So it's. Yeah. Well, yeah. I think that yeah. the approach for people and I think, you know, what me and AJ have talked about in terms of advocation for more regenerative processes when working with producers that are not right. It's very important to, for people that are, if you're all one way or the other, you have to, especially people that are advocates for regenerative processes and you're trying to give information and, you know, convince other producers to like, you should do this too. It's, you know, because of all the good reasons there can be such a pullback because when you are a generational producer, and we talked about, I mean, I'm sure you've talked about it too. You have a way of doing things and it's not because you choose to do it the wrong way or the bad way. It's because you just, you know what you know, and then you do the best yeah. you can with what you know. And that is how it's been passed down with so many what string pullers that are outside of the production team, but making you have to do this, have to do this, have to do this, which makes it very difficult. And so for us, it's a matter of advocating for, if you have a big plot of land, start small. Like how can we put these into almost yes. a step-by-step process where if you start here, it's not going to change a ton. It's going to add a little bit of work. Just do it to a small area, maybe a, a few acres to start where you can actually even see the process is starting to come together, which will then add motivation. And you just add a little bit more, add a little bit more, exactly. add a little more acreage and do it that way. It's way more approachable and it can be very daunting 
when you when you realize like when someone has that moment where they realize what an issue we really have you know right. when that hits you it can definitely be I, I would assume for a lot of people if they do have a lot of area where they're like I immediately got to change all these things oh my gosh I'm doing it all wrong where it can then be more like paralysis by analysis and yeah. feel too much like you can't do it but we can it's just a little at a time a little bit of area at a time yeah, yeah, it's it's tough because AJ and I talked about this. How do you get people to change their minds? And like I said, I think the only way is just showing other people. Mm-hmm. That's probably the only way because you could talk about it all you want. I could set up a stand outside of Cedar and just talk about it and have people walk by it. They're not going to, no one's going to do anything until they actually see what we're doing and the changes that we're making. Mm-hmm. And that's the same, not just private owners, I'm talking government officials too. Government is probably harder, but private owners maybe they'll actually start making a change if they could see like okay this is actually beneficial to me even in a monetary sense the monetary sense is important because everybody loves their money you know what i mean yep. so if we can if we can make a beneficial change in that sense in the in regenerative sense and environment plus a monetary sense people will actually start making changes well so yeah. I mean, and the reality is too, though, like you've got guys like Will Harris, who's been doing regenerative practices. He's actually, a, I think he's a savory hub even yeah, for a is. long time. And the, and the impact that his land has gone through uh, the, the positive impact and regeneration. And yet he still has neighbors right next door that haven't adopted it. Yeah, You know, and, and he, he, they posted a video a couple of years ago that was, that went pretty viral and it was somebody standing next to a, a, a waterway and you could see, and there was a major rain event happening and you could see the amount of, you could see the, a clear line in the water with the amount of rain, uh, or excuse me, about the amount of soil leaving his neighbor's property, feeding that same, cause his land was coming in and then it hit this wall of additional sediment from uh, from this other property that was not done holistically, meaning when you have, it's called a soil aggregate. When you have, when you, if you've ever lifted roots up and you see all the clumps of dark chocolate cake, like you were talking about clinging yep. to the yep. roots of a plant, that's soil aggregate, right? And that means that's an indication of healthy soil. Well, if you pull a plant out of sandy soil or soil that doesn't have the aggregate or the microbiology life, nothing's clinging to it. And so right. that what happens, you get a lot of rain, it washes right off and leaves. That's why uh, there's a new documentary that came out called uh, Common Ground. And Gabe Brown is standing in his neighbor's field and you can see his fields here, his neighbor field here, and it actually looks like this. There's like a six foot wild. step up because the wind wow. has blown all of that soil onto his land. It's a, it's literally, no, I'm sorry. It's like an 18 inch, six foot's a big difference. It's an 18 inch, <laughs> my, six my, foot. my poor wife, <laughs> uh, it's, a, it's an 18 inch difference in ground because that this one that w- didn't have the aggregate holding and that's what the the dust bowl that happened way a long time ago happened because of all the tilling and the killing of the microbiology and the mycelia which is your your fungal network it just didn't couldn't hold together anymore and that will happen again if we don't 
fix the fix this uh, these problems. Well, it's like, already how, happening. How, yeah. Well, yeah, exactly. I mean, you can see it out in the on our land, all the dust blowing up and all that. And yeah. I, when I try to when I talk about this, and I think this is important, especially for new listeners and people who are, are trying to become ranchers or farmers, talking about this in a simple context is so helpful, especially for me when I first started getting into this because it's easier to get into it instead of like using all these big words. That's why oh, I was like saying sorry, about chocolate cake and all. No, 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 no. <laughs> no there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with that. I just on on my side, like someone coming from the city, I live in one of the biggest cities in the U.S., Philadelphia. Someone coming, I didn't know. I didn't know zero about agriculture. I think the 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 gist of like what we got into was like uh, microgreens. I don't know if you heard of that. Mm-hmm. Like, that was like what the urban people got into. That was it. But like. Yeah. In case of like what I've been learning from the Savory Institute, it's it's they they actually have and this is why we're partnering with them because their educational program is very easy to understand and grasp. And I think that for newcomers in this field, and that we need that. Obviously, you know that it's it's better to start simple first, yeah. Instead of getting into all this like big words and all that. And that's what that's why I try to talk like that uh, in terms of. Uh, chocolate cake and all that because this is easier for me to explain that the difference how i was sitting on this land and i'm like this is like chocolate cake it's like spongy i can like i'm like bouncing on it like it was pretty incredible like mm. I, ne- I never seen anything like it i'm like this this works and i don't understand why this is not being impl- implemented by the government at all i don't understand like this is working why isn't this like why aren't we doing this like all over the place you know? yeah. That's hilarious that you so. think that the government wants to put in stuff that works, dude. <laughs> Freaking hilarious. Dude, Hold on. I got to oh, I, I got to play with my buttons a little bit over here. He's like, yeah, the government yeah. really wants it to work. <laughs> <laughs> when when uh, the government's like, yeah, we just want everyone to be like happy and like self-sufficient and like stop calling us for help. Yeah. No, we don't want medication. <laughs> Yeah, we don't want pharmaceutical companies to make money. We'd rather you eat natural food so you're super healthy and there's no need for pharmacy. They yeah, they want stuff like this. Boom, yeah. bug burgers. Bug burgers. So, Jim, when we first started talking, how how over your head was I talking? <laughs> As you say that, I'm like, oh well, shit, I probably at first it was at first it was overwhelming. Honestly, a lot. He was like, I'm being, I, yeah, I'm just. Was it honest. the word mycelium? It was mycelium, was it? That's what broke Jimmy. He said mycelium. It was like. <laughs> Immediately is like Google's. What is the mycelium network? No, I know I did a good job with that one. I'm like, you know, like psilocybin. And Jim was like, oh yeah, okay. (laughs) (laughs) Ah, Oh man, y'all are gonna love bopper flop today. Oh boy, oh boy. Awesome. Um, Let me back up real quick and let some people. I have one question for Jim. Yeah, go for it, Jimmy. How so? Being from Philadelphia, living urban, you know, getting into like microgreens. What was it that was like? I gotta, I gotta open myself up a, you know, a hub. I'm gonna go well, all you know in. What? I I didn't know. I wasn't planning any of this. Now I, like I said, I, I when I was living in Philly, I was trying to leave anyway. But I was traveling. I I've been to places New Zealand. I spent time in New Zealand, uh, Australia, UK, Alaska, and I was just blown away by the different sceneries and all that. When I originally moved, I had, had nothing to do with politics. I had nothing to do with like what I'm doing now. It was just literally a passion, a passion leading into another passion. So that's why I'm out here. And when I bought my land, it was just for investment purposes, honestly. And then I ran into AJ and like, he showed me, uh, what was the first video he showed me? The, uh, Alan Savory's Ted talk. Yes. 
And I, I'm like, where? why haven't I seen this before? And like, this works. Like, it just seems like it works. And I'm like, I looked into it more. And obviously, the more I looked into it, I'm like, this is incredible. This is, and this is why I want to do this now. Like, it, I just became passionate about it as I was learning about it. So, yeah. yeah coming I, from the city, like, I, I just, I had no clue. I, and th- we were talking about this in the previous podcast. People in the city have, like, they, they'll go all their lives without knowing where their food came from. Like, mm-hmm. They're, they, the cultural bubble there is so intense. Like I look out into my uh, friends' Instagram pages and all that from the city. All it is is sports. No one cares about anything else. All it is is sports. And like, don't get me wrong, it's, it's fine if people want to enjoy their sports. But like, there's so many other issues that need to be talked about. And in the cities, there's so many more people that could have a like create that voice to actually make changes. But it's just not happening. Didn't so, we talk about this fall of Rome at one point on one of our shows, Brooks? Yeah. That was with RC yesterday. He went to a Broncos yeah. game after dealing with a bunch of nonsense governmental uh, red tape, and he got up and I th- he, you know I, I'm not going to put words in his mouth. I don't even know this. I'm not going to confirm this. He, it was Colorado, so yeah. he, so he might have been smoking the devil's lettuce just a little <laughs> bit, and then he gets all the way up into the suite and he sees the game start, and he was like, "Holy shit, this is the Coliseum." Like this is the distraction. Yes. This is the bread and circus, exactly. and we're living and in it right now. Like it's so, I could like you could see it moving out of the city versus someone moving into the city. You could see it more, I think, moving out of the city because just because of all your family and friends. Like I talked to my my pops about this, and my pops is an excellent business guy, and he he's he's been in real estate. Like he's very good with business, but he has no clue about agriculture. What you guys were talking about in your previous episodes with uh, meat production and all that, like. No one has a clue about any of that in the, in the more heavily dense populated areas. No one knows about it. And it's bliss ignorance, in my opinion, because people are just so distracted with everything else going on. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, so <clears throat> let me, so let me lead into that. Uh, what we were talking about with the savory hub and Alan savory. So people have some context. So yeah. th- th- in 2019, I was becoming, well, I'll just say it this way in 2014, I met this, this deity, <laughs> her name was mother Aya. I did an ayahuasca ceremony. Just, I'm going to be fully transparent on these shows. So you guys know who I am, where I come from. I used to think that I'm going to, I'll explain it. Global warming, climate change was all bullshit, right? That's, that was my, my, my belief. Then I did this ceremony and I somehow it connected me on a really much, a, a much deeper level with nature. I, that's not why I went there. That's not what my intention was, but all of a sudden this thing opened up. Now I do not believe in climate change. I do believe in. Desert- Neither do I. Yeah. Yeah. So mismanagement of. No, land, like, it's I like, like to be devil, a devil's advocate on that one, but you got Okay. It. Yeah. So, so, so I, I, I get impressed on this and now I'm watching my children and observing them and thinking about what life will be like for them if we can't grow our food because we have forsaken the land that the food comes from. And that came from my experience in Iraq, which Iraq, by the way, used to be a grassland. That Saddam Hussein dammed up the, the, the water tribute, uh, waterways, killed off all the vegetation across uh, Iraq so that he could see Kuwait if they were advancing. It, it's wild. If you go do some research on it, they used to have entire villages on floating wreaths that they harvested so they could float around these tributaries and fish and live. And, and so I go there and it looks like a desert. Like it's always been that. And one man changed that because of what he did to the water. Right. So 
now I'm looking at desertification happening and thinking about my children. And when I was in Iraq, I went into a village with care packages. And I remember seeing the dad standing off the side, watching us take care of his family. And I'm like, what the hell? So I was in this sort of fight or flight, like, well, I'm going to see my kids starve. And then I came across Alan Savory's TED Talk. And Alan, you, you should go look it up. If you guys are listening to this, go look Sorry. up Alan Savory TED Talk. It'll, it'll show you in a very short TED Talk length time the significance that we can play in our environment in the desertification process by managing ruminating animals effectively. And, and it's kind of interesting that, that the tie-in with what's going on because next week, 28, they're going to try to ram, the UN is going to try to ram down America's throat reduction in meat consumption when actually we must increase meat consumption so that we increase the number of livestock on our, on our land. So... That, and that concludes my TED talk. Go ahead. <laughs> that concludes my TED talk. So what they're calling for is a is a is a redu- reduction in meat consumption. What you're calling right. for is an increase in meat production here in the yes. United States. That's a pretty strong delineation. Just for yeah. so for with clarity. That, so with that, they Thank are you. right on the cattle lots. They are right in terms of this mm-hmm. harmony environment. Yeah. So. They're con- in, in that context, if you're saying that, that would, if you're reducing meat overall in the U.S., that means the cattle lots will be reduced, right? Yeah. So couldn't, you, couldn't that be what they're trying to, like, get at there instead of, like, overall generalization of, hey, we should just get rid of all meat? Yeah, but it's the same thing as you can't harvest more than 2,500 gallons of rainwater because that yeah. all – so here's my thing on the feedlots. Feedlots are necessary because we have a food system designed around that. Now, what you said is true. Where the feedlots yeah. are is devastating to the ground, but I believe yes. – if where they're raised as cow calf is done holistically, that would offset the damage on the confinement area to where it would be null and void. Just like if we increased regenerative agriculture and the, and the, the, um, the drawdown of carbon through increased forage, that would cover all transportation emissions anyway, because I it would be drawing that. down the carbon. Yeah. Yeah. I was quickly trying to find this video and I will find it for next time. But I watched a woman she was talking about and through data um, calculated all the trees based off of like forests and parks and everything all over the world. And per like which tree, the percentage of carbon it does already pull out times the amount that we have compared to the number that they say is the problem. We already have it solved. We already have more than enough trees that are already pulling out so much carbon. That doesn't mean that we're not having desertification or we're not ruining land, that we will no longer be able to produce food. We won't be able to, your life will will suffer. But as far as actual, the data that is has come out in the past, highly questionable All right, based I'm, on data that is coming out today. I'm going to drop and something so, in. I'm going to drop something in for fun just because I have it. And just because it's relevant, here we go. <laughs> said, quote, environmentalists have to grow up and stop planting trees. Trees actually contribute to carbon. And he set up a billion dollar facility to destroy trees and bury the carbon that's operating right now in America. I know that sounds crazy. It's true. 
So, so Mr. Gil, I'm going to call him Gil Bates so I don't get flagged. Mr. Gil Bates uh, is, is actually like, you know what? It's actually not, trees don't help. So let's just, let's just destroy them and let's, let's build massive facilities, massive acreage facilities to pull carbon out of the air. And that, well, I'm not even going to get into the whole like carbon versus carbon dioxide thing and where that whole fits into the conversation here. But uh, there are people that think that the best way to go about it is to actually get rid of trees. The solution is right below our feet. You can't fix stupid. No doubt about it, Jimmy. That's, that's crazy. Yeah. It's, it's the soil. I mean, like yeah. I feel like kiss the ground really. And the creators of kiss the ground who are, have they launched their other documentary uh, yet? It is I'm in not, select theaters throughout the country. But I mean, um, they they made a very strong case that, like Jimmy said, uh, the 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 solution is literally beneath our feet. Yes, yep. that's right. It's a human management problem. We're, we're, we have a human management problem. That's all it is. Yeah. I mean, here's the thing. I try to play devil's advocate because I think the climate does change. I mean, you can go to any glacier in the world and see the glacier levels go back and forth between time periods. So yeah, like, cause it's, nor- it it's normal. Change. Correct. It's normal yeah, for it to change. Right. And that's, that's, right. it, that's, I think that, um, uh, well, now I can't think of the word, but basically government, it's just, they can use it. They can capitalize on it, make it seem way right. worse than it is to control. That doesn't yes. mean that we don't need to take care of our land. It doesn't mean that we don't need to take care of and care for soil health and these things, because if we don't yes. have it, well, then you can't survive, you know, like right. if to be self-sufficient, what uh, they want is like, we can make everything in a factory. We're going to make sure there's nothing out there that could ever, you could have it for free. You know, rainwater, yeah. your food in your garden. They want you to register your gardens. <laughs> yeah. It's like they don't want you to have anything that you did on your own. They want people that are dumb. And I read this thing to my dad last night. Oh, my gosh. And it said, I, I'm going to mess it up, but it was talking about, it said, you think that, talking to like my generation, younger generations, that people were stupid, like more dumb 50 years ago. It's like in the past thinking that they're dumb, like that now we're way smarter. We have more information. And it said, but 50 years ago, on their owner's manual for their car, it told you how to change valves. It says, today, it tells you not to drink the contents of the battery. <laughs> <laughs> and I, we were sitting, uh, I was like, oh my gosh, dad. And I read it to him and he was like, it's true. And I'm like, I know. Yeah, well, there's a lot like, more information. There's a lot more information, but there's way less context. And oh, that yeah. context is yeah. passed on through wisdom. It's and, all headline, headline reading. That's and all it is. to like tie in, I think we're uh, the feed the people and, and Jim will agree is that it's not the cows. Uh, it's the industrial practices. And to take yes. a conversation that AJ and I had a bit offline talking about. In, so industry is, is primarily uh, run by engineers. And industry and engineers have straight line thinking, linear thinking, how to get from point A to point B. And it's a really it's it's actually not easy to solve cyclical problems with linear thinking. And so you have a lot of engineers that are trying to solve cyclical problems with linear thinking. And, and they're, they're like, we'll and, take the water from the ranchers, we'll give it to the home builders. Or we'll create a massive factory that <laughs> takes up 50 acres, 100 acres, and we'll turn that into an energy battery that pulls carbon out of air and pumps it into rocks. Yeah, yeah. You know what? We'll get rid of beef and wheat crickets. 
We're just, yeah. we're, we can eat, we have a lot of they, insects. They will, you know, never, we'll that will never happen. You know, that why that will never happen because of cultures. Yep. Yeah. You got, you got different types of cultures that just love a specific set of meat. You would have to change culture for that to happen. No, I'm going to so, scare you because the reality opinion. is this, the amount, the rate at which we're losing processing facilities, the rate at which we're losing producers, yeah. it will be, it won't matter what your culture is. It doesn't matter what, it won't matter what you want. And I know that that's like an extreme way to like, possibility no, right yeah for a lot of people listening that could be like yeah but we're not that's not gonna happen cults culture is only two generations it. basically yeah. what we consider culture is like two generations and for right. them that is a drop in the bucket if i learned anything from growing up in the catholic church is that institutions that are that old see two generations as a drop in the bucket and they will plan in centuries Played a long game they plan mm-hmm. in centuries yeah yeah that's very scary so <laughs> that's, that's terrifying and that's where people I, listening I, if, you, yeah. if you're listening and you are wondering like man how can i help yeah. change where you buy your groceries like that's it you got to vote with your dollars if you can't go out and start a you know a nonprofit, you can't go out and start you know getting your hands dirty well you get them dirty in your wallet when you're buying from local producers, you yeah. help, help I, the people that are already doing what they can help them do it by keeping them doing it. You know, that's how we help. We help by investing in someone nearby, get your groceries from them, go to the farmer's market. Don't go to the grocery store and invest you know, in people like Jim. We got to be planners. We got to plan ahead. Yeah. But then you got people on like the, the common folk be like, I can't afford it. Like, what do, what do I do then? You know yep. what I mean? I, I try to play devil's advocate. I tell the age ages all the time because I come up from a place where people think totally differently. And I just try to play both sides just to get your, get an idea of where they're at as well and their mindset. And I'm like, like I said, I'm just trying to play both sides. That's all. I'm like, I agree with you guys on this issue, but I, I try to be fair. Well, that's why. Uh, how dare you reach across that. the aisle, Jim? How dare you? <laughs> well, as long as it's not to be fair, it's more so being just inquisitical right so like yes because you should, we should more people should do that yeah right. and say well let's have you thought about this and it's correct the issue is most people don't ever we don't want to consider that it's like we no one has emotional intelligence anymore i mean i even everyone struggles with it at times depending on what you're going through but we all we we have these feelings we something upsets us and that becomes yeah. your truth mm-hmm. and people die on that hill because you felt it, you heard it, this is what it is, that's what resonates with you, and you are emotional about it, and you're angry, and you're upset, and it's like, well, you are entitled to feel whatever you're feeling, that is true, but everyone needs to realize that after you feel it for just a second, take a deep breath, and now realize that just because you felt one way doesn't make it true, and that's a reality that everyone faces, you know, no one likes to be wrong, but you have to accept the fact that just because you feel a certain way strongly about something, it still doesn't make it true. Mm-hmm. It doesn't make it the truth. That, yeah. That's a human nature issue. I, mm-hmm. I don't even know how to solve that for a lot of people. No, no, we can't. It's above our pay grade. You just, hope yeah. that more, you just hope that at a certain point, someone hears something in passing that's like, huh, you know or what? They, I don't want to ask them about it, but I'll Google it. Yes. 
So well, yeah, they have their guard down. That's how, for me, I was introduced to all this. I had my guard down. I think a lot of people, especially in the urban environment, once if their guards are down and they're, they're taken out of that bubble, they're more uh, susceptible to that type of fault. Yeah, I saw you so, coming a mile away. You were a deer in the headlights. <laughs> Come on. Ooh, I got him. <laughs> <laughs> got well, him. The thing is, like, you, you can see it with your own eyes, like the, the changes that are being made. Like, yeah. it's just, it, does, it just makes sense. Well, and it sense. just makes sense. It makes sense. Yeah. Oh, yeah. work with nature? Weird. Yeah. Na- yeah. You know, it was here first. Yeah. It was here first. <laughs> I shared a video on my Instagram story today. It'll be gone by the time this comes out, but maybe we can throw it in somewhere. I'll save it. But it was this guy. He he said he's in front of a class, right? And he has a blue circle and a red circle on the screen. And he goes, these may look like they're the same, but they're not. Raise your hand if you think the blue circle is bigger than the red. And, you know, half the class raised their hand for the blue. Now raise your hand if you think the red circle is the same and half the class raised their hand. Essentially, everybody in the class raised their hand to one of them. And he goes, they're the same. See how easy it was for me to convince you in seconds just because I told you that they weren't the same and every single person in this class now agreed with me. It, I'm like, oh, and even I did. I was like, it's got to be the blue. The blue looks bigger. <laughs> it's got to be the blue and, and, then, one. and then he said that. And I'm like, ah, damn it. He got me. Shameless plug for the Serious Fun Podcast. If you want to understand how you're being nudged into behaviors without your consent, you can go listen to that show and especially episodes five and six called Mind Your Business and I'll Mind Mine. Those are great if you want to help uh, prepare your mind for those types of uh, things like that. Um, Jimmy, just because I know that we got a hard stop and, and we can respect time, I want to put the spotlight back on you to uh, before we close the show, which is like uh, if you could give us like your overall, what would you love to see happen around the Escalante Land Trust? And what are the things that other people can do to help support that mission? So first off, you could in terms of support, we have some social channels up uh, Escalante Land Trust on Instagram, TikTok, YouTube. I saw you have to post on YouTube. Uh, we're in the process of building a website right now. The thing with the very I'm being very specific about this because uh, my wife and I are about to move out there and all our, all our capital and time is tied up in that making that happen because it's, it's a lot of there's a lot involved with that. So after March, I'll be able to um, in terms of people coming in to support. I can set up routes for people that who want to support. But as of right now, uh, you can see some of the progress on social media in terms of uh, Instagram, Escalante Land Trust, TikTok, Escalante Land Trust, and YouTube. You can find me personally on uh, LinkedIn, Jim Coloman. But um, personal-wise, my wife and I like to keep our lives uh, kind of private, like 90% of it. So I don't don't follow me personally on Instagram. <laughs> but in terms of this region, I just want to like I want to see people's minds start changing out there because there's a lot of uh, conservative folk who like that just don't want to make any changes like we talked about. I want to see that happen first, just because I think once we we see that happen, we got the community involved, and then once the community is involved, we can get the government involved as well. But I would love to see that entire region. Um, in the end of it, I mean, this could be 30 years from now, back to grasslands, uh, more more uh, biodiverse, and the water cycles restored. So, and we're talking thousands of acres out here. If anybody to the listeners, this is very open land. You can see, if you want to go on my uh, socials, you can see I have some drone shots of this area. It's pretty incredible. I, I love it out there. Um, it's home oh, to it's me. Now, gorgeous. 
Yeah, it's it's absolutely incredible. Like me and my wife, we cannot wait to move. We're moving in March, the end of March, and we, we'll be out there full time to start the process. So, looking forward to it. <laughs> and, and Jim, we'll do. I mean, we're connected, so we're going to be doing updates yeah. as you get going. We'll talk about. Yeah, we'll so. talk more about the management side. You know, this was more focused on water and then other conspiracies, but uh, we'll we'll talk more about like what livestock oh, are you going to start with? How does that work? Sure. What's the impact that those are going to have? But dude, I, that's a whole other. Like, there's so much to talk about because I didn't mm-hmm. even talk about the off grid aspect of it. Yeah. Rain harvesting and solar panels and, and gray water systems, all that. There's so much to talk about. Yeah. So, and we look looking- forward to it. Mm-hmm. Yes. Before we get out of I here, I appreciate you guys having me. By the way, no doubt oh, yeah. about it. We, this has been. Uh, I've, I've honestly, for the first half hour, just sat there. I was like, "What?" <laughs> and just like, yeah, even just trying to catch some of the lingo. So hopefully, uh, this yeah. episode really like spurred some curiosity for the listeners out there that may not know about water rights and about uh, the things that they could be doing personally to like advocate, especially if they're in the state of Utah, that that they can Mm -hmm. advocate and yeah, of course vote with their dollars. Like we talk about all the time, but also literally vote for people who are actually informed on these issues. Literally vote. Your vote still matters on that that side of things, no matter what they want to try to convince you that your vote doesn't matter. It absolutely matters. And the more that we can support people like that. And speaking of support, I just wanted to say thank you to a couple of our producers. Go. <laughs> oh dear listener welcome to the producer segment of the feed the people podcast where we come to remind you that this is a value for value podcast that means that you can donate your time your talent and your treasure and you can become a producer of this show and the reason that we do it this way in the value for value model instead of the corporate sponsorship dollars. Well, let's let Elon Musk tell you a little bit about why. Apology tour, if you will. This had been said online. There was all of the criticism. There was advertisers leaving. We talked to Bob Iger I hope today. they stop. You hope? Uh, don't advertise. You don't want them to advertise? No. What do you mean? If, if somebody's going to try to blackmail me with advertising, blackmail me with money, go fuck yourself. But go f- yourself. <laughs> is that clear? Elon is good. I hope it is. I, listen, I listened to hey, that my- little interview a few times last night. Yeah. And uh, just so we're all clear, I have this on the deck now at the ready. Perfect. Go Love it. yourself. Anytime we want to hear it. Go yourself. Anytime we want to hear it. So thank you for being a producer of the Serious Fun Podcast. We do have a treasure donor. That donor is uh, Utah Beef Producers. Shout out Utah Beef Producers for donating $250 to make this episode happen. This is episode six. We have a special guest. His name is Jim Cloman, and we are excited that he is here. Um, Appreciate you guys. Dude, we're... Thrilled, thrilled to have you on. We can't wait to have you back on. Jim, would you like to play a game? Yes. You would? Games. Oh, Jim. Like to play a game. Jim likes to play games. So uh, this is this is a game, and it, and it is known as Bop or Flop. So I play a little jingle, and then I play a song. These songs, are, we've been given permission to play these songs on air. Okay, so we're not just stealing rights and music rights. We've been given permission. These are people that have donated their talent, another one of the T's, to be a producer of the show. And so Jim and Brooks, I must ask you, is this a... 
bop or flop? You might recognize a theme from earlier. How you feeling, Jim? Bop. Huh? <laughs> yeah. Oh, we got a bop on our hands. Shout out to my old neighbors. They're uh, Jamaican. They're, they play a lot of reggae back in Philly, so I had nice. to say bop. Well, if they are Jamaican, they likely know Mr. Bingy Music, one of the three Whalers trio. Shout out, Bingy Music. He is... A friend of the show, one of my dear friends. He lives in Kingston, Jamaica. He actually lives in Trenchtown. He's a producer. He's a musical artist, and he's a great human being, and I always love to play his music whenever I get a chance. That one is called High Grade. Brooke, uh, I didn't get your opinion. How are you feeling on that? No, it's a bop. Oh, we got two bops? <laughs> Makes me want to... Sit on a beach. Sit on the beach. Yeah. With well, a drink in your hand and just, just. And a joint. Come on. A drink. Come on. Just call it what it is. We want to smoke some high grade up in this mug. I wasn't sure how far I could go with that. Yeah. No. Oh, no. We, we already mentioned it. AJ, I, I mean, AJ cracked it when he, when he said ayahuasca. Okay. So. Uh, just make sure. Well, family, um, I got to say, this has been a real. Brooke, thank you. So we just love. It's just great to it. see you here. Yes. And we look forward to having you back regularly. And I'm going to help you get your your equipment set up. It's going to be so easy. You're going to love it. I'm going to get you and AJ some new microphones. It's going to be great. I'm going to gift you all some microphones when we get to Las Vegas. Jim, again, yes. thank you for bringing your personality, your energy, oh, yeah. your information. Any final words for the audience out there? Yeah. Real quick, you guys are invited out to this project site. More than, more than welcomed. If you ever want to check it out. If we just hook up, I'll uh, I'll drive you out there and we'll and take you a look at what's going on. So awesome. that's pretty much all I got for you. Brooke, Glad any you final words? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Appreciate it, guys. Any final words from Brooke here? Hey, kids. <laughs> Critical thinking is cool. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. <laughs> Oh, yes, that should yes, be a regular sign-off. That's so yes, great. <laughs> yes, it, is. it is very cool. AJ, how are this you feeling? just in. Critical thinking is back, and it's cool. Oh, man. My final <laughs> words, as always, shake the hand that feeds you. Love it. And that is a wrap on episode six of the Feed the People podcast. Thank you for all the people that have donated their treasure, their talent, and their time. If you're listening to the show, you're donating your time. If you'd like to donate just a little extra time, go to wherever you listen to your favorite podcast, click that five-star button, leave us a kind comment and review. And if you don't have some good things to say, send me a message in private. Don't put that stuff on my on my podcast page. Don't do AJ and Brooke like that. Trying to get out there, spread some good vibes, and make sure that we are fulfilling our mission to shake the hand that feeds and to 
make that a possibility for everybody else in the United States. So with that, thank you to uh, our guests, our hosts. I'm your producer, Brooks Meadows, and that is a wrap on episode six.